wasn't even like it was close. It was a landslide victory. Game. Blouses. It's, uh, it's just us two this time, Carl. Last time we were running, we got together with the Hooper's Almanac. Great shows. Yep. If you haven't listened to them yet, go listen to them. Mitch and Aaron are great. Um, but, it, but it's our ship at the end of the day. And uh, we're the captains now. I didn't even plan that. That was a line I didn't even plan. Oh, man, you're killing me there. I know. That's what I do. But it's after the trade deadline. We talked about the trade deadline a little bit before the deadline actually happened. It passed. There were a couple surprise moves. Some we thought maybe were going to happen. Um, but as always, more surprises than not. Uh, one with your Washington Wizards, which we'll touch on a little bit later, Carl. Um, overall impressions right away. And, and kind of now that we've had a chance, except <clears throat> unless you're the 76ers and Nets, now that we've had the chance to see some of these players in their new homes, you know, what are kind of some of your initial impressions? Mm-hmm. Ooh, initial impressions. I'm actually going to come out the gate with the hot one is I'm actually not as heavy on the Sacramento Kings, like confusion and hate as probably most people are um, with Halliburton going out there. And yes, I do love Tyrese Halliburton. I've been a big, like I, I really wanted the Wizards to draft him when he was coming out. Um, my thing isn't about him as an individual player. It's like what the Kings were able to get out of that trade and what they still have waiting in the wings in the guard position, which took over afterwards. And so like they already off had night? a long, yeah, off night. Like it's, you don't make that move. I think unless you're confident in what you drafted in Davion Mitchell, I, I know Tyrese is taller. He's better playmaker, better shooter. Da, 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 da. It's just the potential of Davion Mitchell kind of stepping into doesn't have to be like anything featured as a guard like off the bench having a little bit more minutes to run like he's gonna be a really good defender he like the first I think it's like the first game he had like 18 7 and 7 with the uh, uh, the first game with Sabonis in there and him and Sabonis were like plus 14 in that game like they they work pretty well together in rotations when he's in there and it's not it's a it's a drop off the uh, Am I right now between him and Halliburton? Yes, but if his offense develops even more, like you're not going to lose that much. And then you got to, you, you, you just traded, you traded a surprise, like a rise, a surprising young player for an all star. So that's, that's kind of where I stand on that trade. What do you think let's, about the Kings trade? Yeah, let's start there actually, because that's a really good, that's a really good way to go about it. Um, I'm with you. I initially, Without the Dante DiVincenzo move, it's going to sound weird when I say this. Without the Dante DiVincenzo move, it's a bad move. Uh, You're sending out a lot of shooting for absolutely none. Um, And to a team that already they're, say, the Kings' best three-point shooters, Harrison Barnes, and and beyond that, there's a big power gap. Uh, That's kind of a problem. Um, However, you bring in Dante DiVincenzo in a role where he's going to probably be able to let it fly from there. Uh, and a nice compliment to Davion Mitchell and, and De'Aaron Fox. Uh, it's not as bad of a trade as it was initially looking like. Uh, my main issue with the actual structure of the deal was using Buddy Heald as salary filler. I think Buddy Heald was an asset that could have garnered a lot in the offseason if you really actively wanted to shop him. They balked at the idea of trading into the Lakers and, and balked at the, I think the Celtics were maybe involved at one point. And there was, 
I mean, there was a lot of talk around Buddy Heald. A lot of people wanted him and they were willing to pay for him. Uh, and now you get to a situation where you send out a really promising young guard and you use Buddy Heald as salary filler. Um, and he's a little bit more than that in this trade. Don't get me wrong. But, um, but I think that was the main, the main issue I had. Uh, Fit-wise, a great pick and roll, seamless fit with De'Aaron Fox. Um, the, the Timberwolves have been, for most of the season, a top 10 defense in uh, Sacramento without even getting Sabonis used to the offense whatsoever. It was the first night that he was in Sacramento. Uh, it just kind of seemed to be a natural fit. Um, I think maybe at, I think at some point, uh, Sacramento seems to be a long-term home for him. He may want to start working on the three-point shot a little bit. I know in the past he's hit a couple here and there, um, but if he's able to add that to his game, uh, the Kings' offense can really open up. They're 2-0 since they acquired him, obviously small sample size. Um, but, I mean, he's averaging like 19, 12, and 6. I mean, either it, Sacramento's put in a great position where you can really give Sabonis the ball at the nail right now. And if Fox wants to cut, he can. If he wants to, if he, if they want to run off the pick and roll, they certainly can. Or if he wants to dish it out to a Divincenzo or Harrison Barnes on the wing, it's a really interesting team construction right now. They're clearly making a play for that ten spot. Uh, the Pelicans are coming too. They made a nice little move at the. They made a big, big splash at the deadline. Uh, but Sacramento is certainly at least making things interesting. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. Completely agree with that. Um... I do love uh, kind of the middle ground that teams have been like forced into due to the play in where it's like, you can decide if you really want to try to go and hit that 10 spot to still make that move, which is one thing the league really, really needed just to kind of, you know, instead of having so many teams just give up and tank for it and just to actually have that chance to even, you know, find your way into the playoff tournament. And I mean, works out pretty well. I mean, the games were really good last year. So I'm looking forward to, some really, really good play in the play-in this year. Interesting for the Pacers, too, I think. Uh, you, you already have – I mean, you pretty much got a backcourt for that deal. <laughs> I mean, there's really no – you get you, you trade Karis LeVert, you bring in Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald. Um, you have Miles Turner already there. Uh, I'm, it, they have a lot of issues. Uh, Duarte is going to – I mean, Duarte is another interesting piece alongside – Halliburton field, certainly a team that should be able to shoot the lights out. Uh, now you go from having two really good big men, uh, if you're if you're Indiana, to okay, you have Miles Turner, but who's behind him? You might need to look into a veteran, a quality veteran big uh, in the offseason going into next year. Tristan Thompson may not fit that role as well as you'd like him to. But Indiana's Indiana, there it's going to be it's going to be bad before it gets good but they can certainly shoot I mean that's there, there's no two ways about that mm. the only question mark I had for them is the like with some of the pieces that they have I mean I count Duarte in this um is kind of the ceiling especially with the guards like him and Halliburton who I love again I, I feel like it sounds I feel like it sounds like I'm like like shitting on Tyrese Halliburton I'm not you can say it. both teams won that should not be an unpopular I don't, opinion so I I'm not even going to say both teams won. I'm going to say both teams got what they wanted more so than like, they're going to be like, they both at this point, like they both think that they won. It's, I guess it's my thing is, is I don't see that much improvement out of Tyrese Halliburton. Like, I think he can be like as good as he is for like, for, for a long time. 
which is still really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like he can get, I think he gets a little bit better here and there, but like nothing too crazy. And especially at the guard spot, the NBA, like they, I believe that they traded the right guy if they were. So it's like, mm-hmm. cause you know, you either have to find a way to somehow finagle something for Fox or most teams don't know, you know, what, you know, definitely don't want Davion Mitchell like that as a rookie. Cause we don't know exactly what he has there. And so it's like, you're going to make a move to improve the front court, which they had had issues with for someone who's, you know, who, who follows Kings basketball, I guess, um, <laughs> as much as I do, um, like, you know, I had like, you know, like the bag man, Marvin Bagley out there, yep. like yeah. get him gone. Like they, you know, like they, they've been trying to they had 15 centers. Yeah. They had 15 centers and yeah, they acquired like, another one. <laughs> yeah. Like and they, they've, they've been trying to fill this front court for a while and it's, it's, it was about time and it sucks that they made the move they did, especially after the dedication that Tyrese Halliburton was showing to the city and fans of Sacramento. Yeah. Um, yeah he'll, he'll probably have like a 60 piece there every time he goes back. <laughs> I'd put that anytime he goes, anytime Tyrese Halliburton goes back to Sacramento, like hit overs in all of his prop bets. I, I would, he'll have, he'll have Andrew Wiggins syndrome. He'll yeah. have Andrew Wiggins syndrome. Anytime he's, he plays a former team. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just like it's like yeah they're that there um so do you move want to move into like the Pelicans deal or go more just the Nets deal? We we could talk a little bit about the Pelicans deal. I I, I did just yeah I did think you're right. I, after looking at it for two games, you clearly see what the Kings are trying to do. I mean like you, at first you had the JJ Reddicks of the world, you had the NBA like the other ESPN NBA analysts just saying like what are the Kings thinking? This is highway robbery and. I, I stated my grievances with the actual trade structure at first. Um, but you're right. I mean, the Kings got what they wanted. And it, why, I, I don't understand why people are looking at, at this as a play for the play-in game. Like, yeah, it's kind of like that. But what's wrong with making your team better? Like, if, you, if, you're, if you're indisputably better after making this move and you're able to build some momentum going into next year around a core of like, if you do want to keep Harrison Barnes, like Darren Fox, Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes is a really nice piece coming off the bench at a really friendly contract. Like what's wrong with that? I mean, why not try and be a sustainable postseason Western conference team, not playoff postseason uh, Western conference team. So interesting move by the Kings. The Pacers did the right thing for what they're trying to do right now as well. Um, it's a mutually beneficial deal. Still think the Pacers maybe won a little bit, but um, again, Tyrese Halliburton, I feel like he's also kind of the player that people were exactly right about at draft time. And like high floor, low ceiling, he's going to be good. And like, that's exactly what it is. Yep. And teams drafted a whole bunch on ceiling that draft. And that's mm-hmm. really, it's the main reason he fell. Still upset we, we didn't draft him. I'm like, we're so we've been, the Wizards have been trying to draft John Wall's replacement, or have been trying to figure out sign or draft John Wall's replacement for the last couple of years, and it's like we have per- perfect opportunities to do that, and we went with another small forward. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, you'll get it ironed, Carl. You weren't you weren't inactive at the deadline. Y'all weren't inactive at the deadline. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say we got uh, Tommy Shepard. Man, he got he got pretty active. <laughs> <laughs> we'll yeah, save so that for a little a, bit later yeah 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 yeah. like we'll definitely we'll come back to that you want to quick talk pelicans and then really dive into the sixers and, and that's 
Oh yeah. Uh Pelicans are setting themselves up for what I think could be oh this is this is getting a little too forward, but if there is some inkling of the fact that Zion Williamson could play <laughs> yeah. in a postseason, like that's kind of scary. <laughs> it's an interesting team. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Brandon Ingram's yeah. clearly taking a step forward. Yeah. Oh, is yeah. Team, he's he's been he's balling. good. He's good. Can the team defend? Eh, maybe. And also, you're gonna play CJ a lot more, so that no. Yeah. So I mean, it's gonna be a little bit rough on that end, but I mean, you're lining up CJ, Ingram, Valanciunas, maybe Zion. I mean, that's a, a Devonte Graham. Like, let's not forget about Devonte Graham. Like, that's that's not a bad five like that's one of the most fun teams in the league you're going to be able to put up points there's not a lot of there's not a lot of playmaking in that lineup like cj can pass a little bit he's not chris paul or anything like that but he can pass a little bit so if you're if you're zion you're kind of saying like okay who's going to get me the ball if i'm running down the court who's who's throwing me a half court pass who's the lonzo ball um but it's still a fun team like they're going to run a lot of interesting sets i'm curious to see how they're how CJ's used how he plays off of Brandon Ingram and how much they overlap on the court I feel like is going to be another interesting storyline to watch who's CJ going to run with on the Pelicans they're not they're still not incredibly deep I would bank on CJ McCollum and Herb Jones running a lot of minutes together um but it's still a I mean it's still an interesting thing to follow I, I think they can end up getting the nine seed in the in the playing tournament it, we'll see We'll see about the eight seed, but um, I think they're a guaranteed playing team at this point. And like you said, if Zion's coming back in that nine ten game, I, I would say they're probably a playoff team. Yeah. If you have, uh, even if he's rusty, one game, one or like one or two games <laughs> against Zion Williams uh, <laughs> is still crazy. Like we've already forgotten how good he is just because of the memes and everything about. Mm-hmm. Him. You know, stop fat shaming Zion. Fat shaming. I was just about to say. Stop, stop fat shaming Zion Williamson. I I understand. Yes, he needs to work on his conditioning, but no, <laughs> I don't know a fat person that can do a 360. Um, <laughs> he's asking for a case of jumper's knee, though. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Oh, well, it's already there. Yeah, he's his knee. His his cartilage is is going to be just might as well just be dust in his knees. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I don't disagree with that. Um, Pelicans are interesting. Blazers are in utter tank mode. Um, I, I, the other, not to use the interesting buzzword too much, but um, they're putting a lot of stock in Anthony Simons, which is cool to see, but I don't know. I mean, ideally, if you're, if you have the mindset that Anthony Simons can score 20 plus points per game in the NBA. Um, it, it can happen. My question is, what's your plan? Uh, yeah. You think he's better than CJ McCollum? Are you really upgrading there? I get the money works. You know, are you making, you, I think you're, you're, you have the idea that you're running Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons as a starting backcourt and just using the money that was going towards CJ to maybe get a wing. I don't know. Do you run this year little at the wing? Do you maybe look for a power forward or center? The free agent market's a little bit slim. They're in the position where they can maybe trade some assets that they got um, and, and take on a lot of salary in the offseason too. So if a big if a big 
if a big time player becomes available, uh, Portland could become active. Mm. I don't know. Uh, we'll see though. Oh, light went off. Um, <laughs> so the thing about Anthony Simons is that it's so it feels a lot. It feels different just because of he's been in the league for a little while. And by a little while, I think it's only like three years. I want to say. Yeah, he's like he's only 22 years old, and this is the first time he's played meaningful minutes in his career this year. And I mean, he's he's showing dividends um, instantly. Um, not really too much on the playmaking end when it comes to like a, a season statistic. Like he'll have flashes here and there, but yeah, like he's a ideally he's someone I think at peak you'd want scoring like. 13 to 15 on like a really good team off the bench. Like he's a, he's like, I agree. Like you want him averaging like 15 as a six man off the bench. I don't know if he's the guy you want to head your backcourt. I agree. Hearing that move, it kind of seems like it's either, I mean, I personally, it sounds like they need, I think they need to start moving on completely from the Dame TJ era at this point, but. You do, but you know, as an organization, you're going to do whatever you can to make sure that he retires as a Portland Trailblazer. Yeah. So uh, they're in a really, really tough spot. I love Josh Hart going there, though. I do personally love Josh Hart because best rebounding guard in the league, pound for pound. Don't at me. <laughs> They've got to have something cooking up in the offseason. We'll move on from the Blazers pretty soon just because they're not a very interesting, interesting team to talk about anymore. But yeah. Curious that Dame really wants to stay there with everything going on. There has to be some sort of communication with the front office that tells him they're going to try and build a contender. At what expense? That's the question. Is Anthony Simons on the market? Is Josh Hart on the market? What picks are on the market? I mean, it's it's all – I mean, I I feel like everything in Portland's up in the air. I don't even think Damian Lillard's guaranteed to stay just because he says he wants to be there doesn't mean he's going to be. I feel like everything's up in the air right now, and it's going to be – they're probably – while they're unfascinating now, they're going to be the most fascinating team to follow in the offseason just to see how that Dame thing shakes out. Mm -hmm. Because you have no idea how – I have no idea what their next move is or what they're trying to really build from because you saw that up in the air of what they're doing with Dame. So, um, yeah, that's – that, that that team really has a lot of questions we head to this offseason. Um, who do you want to go over next? It's a bit, yeah, that's a big risk. Uh, we can, let's do, let's talk a little bit more about risks. Do you think the Nets were as big of a winner in the trade as everyone says they are? Um, no, not really, because they still have a guy who's a part-time basketball player. If you really want to, if you, if anybody really wants to, to to hear another thing that will really grind my gears, it's when I start talking about point guards who took all star appearances away from John Wall. So Kyrie Irving, he's on my list here. Kyrie Irving, to an extent, like he is you have the floor. one of the like, like God saved me for this one. But like Kyrie Irving is kind of the is like one of the most infuriatingly like most infuriating basketball players to ever play in the NBA more so because there are guys that can do maybe not. He's had like, I mean, there are, there are guys that can put the ball in the basket at a better clip who actually play basketball games 
than Kyrie Irving. And 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 he is on such a pedestal. I he deserves it after what he did in Cleveland to win in that chip. But outside of that, uh, I've been talking to you actually, where it's like I don't even think he has like more than a season and a half a game a half of games, like up on like Carl Anthony Towns. Who's yeah, Lee, like four years after, like Kyrie is never on the floor. Like it, it started with injury. It's either he's hurt. Now we've got he's I'm making a stand. Kind of toxic. Making, yeah, now he now he's making his personal stand right now, and I'm just personally just tired of him having to talk about this trade about how yes they're all good, and they still have a guy who if they if they land in the right city won't be able to play a playoff game in a series for them. So um, I do think if Ben Simmons wants to play basketball and actually work with Kevin Durant. Um, I think on the court, it sounds well, but if he had an issue with Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers going after him after the way he didn't show up in a playoff series, I guarantee you he's going to have an issue with Kevin Durant at some point. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I agree with almost everything you said. Um, I think that Ben Simmons next to Kevin Durant is a basketball match made in heaven. I think that the way the Nets are going is really scary. I think even without Kyrie Irving, this team is super legit because if you have Joe Harris coming back from injury, you picked up more shooting in Seth Curry, and now you have Andre Drummond, who's an actual player who can rebound the basketball. It's a big-time get for Mm -hmm. Brooklyn. Um, I, I think that looking outside of Kyrie Irving, they have a real possibility to win this trade. The Harden and Bede combo is going to be absolutely filthy. Do not get me wrong. They're going to be able to score whenever they want to. The issue is, is the same thing in the past, the 76ers. They don't have any depth. When you get to the playoffs, you need to have a couple of players who can come off the bench and get you a bucket if you need to. Staggering Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, and having them both play 38 minutes every single game when it gets to be May is not a sustainable model to win games. Um, Joel Embiid seems to be plenty durable now. Cross my fingers, knock on wood. Uh, but if you're if you're a 76ers fan, that has to be a legitimate concern. Every single good NBA team that's won a championship has had at least one player that comes off the bench and helps them out big time. Uh, I don't see that in Philadelphia right now. Um, unless you're a really big Furkan Korkmaz guy. Um, oh yeah, the goat. <laughs> so maybe maybe you think differently, Carl. But no, I, I I don't know. I like Kyrie. Kyrie has let his team down. That's a completely. I think that that's an issue that's going to just continue to be talked about for a really long time. Um, because this Nets team is kind of just the team that never was. Um. With the, with the super team that was assembled. I think it was, they played 19 games together or something like that. Um, so absolutely brutal. But at, at the end of the day, you need to be able to play seven games in a playoff series, not three or four. Um, and that's going to be an issue down the line. However, I love it for the Nets. I, I really do. Um, it, it's good for the Sixers. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be a fun team to watch. But man, you can you can you can take Drummond off the floor and run a legitimate five out Ben Simmons. I mean, you can't 
you can't guard Ben Simmons one-on-one. You just can't do it. You're going to mm-hmm. have to bring help and collapse the defense at some point. So, I mean, if you have Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Kevin Durant sitting out on the perimeter, uh, yeah, I mean, that's something to definitely look out for. No question. Um, mm-hmm. Love what they did. And even if you want to run really small, love the prospect of when Kyrie's playing, you run Kyrie, Seth, Joe Harris, KD, Ben Simmons at the five. You can get out and run a little bit. Deadly team in transition. Um, and they can play some really, really good basketball. Will that happen remains to be seen because it's, it is, it's a big, it's a massive pool of toxicity in Brooklyn right now. And you just added a player who didn't want to face any playoff criticism. So yeah, I, I, I'll give that, I'll give that to you for sure. But at the same time, you're adding an all defensive player, maybe the best defensive player in the league who can guard one through five. Mm. Um, That's, it's an awesome pickup for Brooklyn. That's see, I do. That's what I'm saying on the floor. I completely agree with it, and I think it just takes them to a whole nother level. It's all the extra things that they have off the floor. That's, that's, that's yeah. Those are my only hang-ups. Like, yep. if you went and did this in 2K, like, this is amazing. Like, this is the best thing ever. You're not going <laughs> to lose the game. But just knowing that there are these guys that have had these actual issues that have nothing to deal with them. Well, actually, it has to deal with them not playing basketball while the clock was running. So, um, in Ben Simmons' case in that, um, that hawk series just i don't know it's it's something where i feel like if it's really up to nash in this case in my opinion yeah you got him he's got to figure out a way to manage and get the most if he gets i didn't see the most out of ben simmons if he gets ben simmons to want to play basketball again there's nothing you can do with their with this lineup yep i agree it's going to be an interesting storyline to follow. Harden won't be able to make his debut till after the All-Star game with his quote-unquote hamstring injury. Um, I don't injury shame, but it's suspect. And that's uh, the best pick and roll in the league. Oh, oh, not even close. Not even yeah. close. Yeah, and now the other, the other three guys on the court on that offense, absolutely irrelevant. Now that Joella has a legitimate jump shot now, too, that's, like, consistent – yeah. yeah, you can really do unlimited things with yeah. the 76ers. But there's, uh, there's, you can't help you can't help and you can't help any of that. Like you're gonna do like oh my god, I was thinking, I was thinking of pick and roll coverage is like where are you gonna go tell tell your defense like pray? Pretty much. I think it could be also one of those things where it's like when the Warriors wanted to Warriors Reddit raised the idea of forming a four-man wall around Steph Curry and just having him shoot. I think the Sixers could do something similar depending on who has the ball. Oh yeah, that could be that could be kind of fun. Just form form the wall. That was one of the <laughs> best. It's one of the best times on uh, on Reddit. <laughs> Another interesting thing to note is Ben Simmons for the first time this season today actually didn't show up on the injury report as personal reasons. It was return to basketball reconditioning, so his debut could be coming pretty soon too. Um, Katie's a ways out. Drummond and Seth Curry are making their debut on Monday night tonight. Um, so we'll see. We'll keep an eye out for Ben Simmons. That's going to be a fun team. Can't wait for Joe Harris to come back too. That's an unsung thing with the Nets. Joe Harris has been yeah. out when he, like when he comes back, it, it, that's a big, that's a big timeline. Okay. We can move on. Uh, let's pick out one trade. We really liked from the deadline. Maybe you can branch into a winner that you think, 
uh, you think came out of the deadline. Maybe you choose a winner and a deal you really liked. Um, I'll give you the floor. You freestyle. All right. Well, I'm going to stick to home cooking here with the Washington Wizards. Uh, I'd like to give Tommy Shepard a shout out because of the, there's a lot of things I, that people may not love about the direction of the Wizards. But there's one thing Tommy Shepard can do is get rid of contracts you don't want on your team. Been able to do that plenty of times. And also being able to turn Spencer Dinwiddie and the chemistry issues that also came along with that um, into someone who's actually played in an all-star game. Pretty good. And, yeah. you know, yeah. getting rid of Bertans, uh, the, the best lot being in the league for the, the worst <laughs> lot being in the league. Um, that's a that's a big trade there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I the Mavs somehow ended up with the worst lot in the league. I don't know how that's even possible. Or we talked about this a little bit off camera though. If there's one team that could maybe repurpose a white three point shooter, don't put it past the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, yeah. It's um, <laughs> Mark Cuban was definitely up there. He said, you know, that's who we need. <laughs> Bring him to me. Yeah, <laughs> just get him over here. Um. I mean, I actually do think he's going to work well in Dallas. He needed a change of scenery, in my opinion, for Dallas Bertans. Um, my thing about the trade I really do love is the fact that the Wizards couldn't really get, like due to injury and other reasons, like 40 or so solid games out of both Dinwiddie and Bertans like this past season. And so at least Kristoff with his injury issues, you're going to get at least 40 games of an all-star. Yeah. So, I mean, he's – that's 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 why it's a big win is just the talent level itself. And I uh, mentioned on our trade broadcast – or our trade uh, deadline joint show with Hooper's Almanac. Shout out. Shout out to the boys. Yeah, shout out um, to the Hooper's Almanac. We didn't give them one earlier. Go check them out on Spotify. They're a lot of fun. That was a yeah, good go, show. Yeah, go, go – yeah, go check them out. That was a good – that was a good one. But uh, – mentioned that I was like, hey, like Spencer Dinwiddie probably on the move, especially due to the way some of the press conferences are going. It sounded like that. Really wish somehow we could have finagled Jalen Brunson out of that. <laughs> but obviously the, there's a reason he's still there. So Kristaps um, is going to be interesting. See what happens with Beal going in the future. But for, hey, if you want to try to turn your season around and get into, make sure that you, you know, get into a plan or maybe potentially go on a late season run and you can do that in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, you know, try to catch an eight seed. I mean, that's what the Wizards do every year is not – I mean, there's the, the Ted the, – the, the Ted Leos' quote is that they will never, ever tank. Never try to tank. <laughs> and, not saying the anti-hanky. But yeah, but also at the same time, they get uh, – the real underrated reason I love this trade, and this is completely for fun, do not judge me for this – because tank commander Ish Smith is back, even though we're not, <laughs> even though we're not tanking, we at least have Ish Smith. <laughs> I don't disagree. Ish Smith is, oh god, I don't even. No, we're not talking about Ish Smith on this. No, we're not. We're that, not. That's we're the not. most Ish Smith talk we're gonna have. We're gonna cap yeah. it there. Um, I just so happened to run pick and roll with Ish Smith on my my career. Very frustrating player to run pick and roll with not necessarily one a guy you want to have in your locker room uh 2k wise we'll cap our Smith talk off at that uh I want to circle back to the Mavericks it's going to be that Dinwiddie the Dinwiddie fits really interesting I'm almost curious if it's foreshadowing with what they're going to do with Jalen Brunson it's at this point with with trading and committing to Spencer Dinwiddie 
question mark. I don't know if they're actually going to do that. Uh, what's the point in bringing Jalen Brunson back? Just because of the fact that you're going to be paying a lot of money to your backcourt. Um, yeah. Jalen Brunson is going to command a nice salary in the offseason. He's pretty much playing for minimum wage right now. Um, so, I mean, what do you try and do in the offseason? Do you work a sign and trade out? Um, I, who knows? I have no idea. Um, the Dinwiddie fits really interesting. On the Wizards end, I actually love this for the Wizards. I love the idea of playing a lineup of like Thomas Bryan at center, Porzingis at the four, Kuzma at the three, Beal at the, like that's a fun that's a fun lineup. Like I, I think that's a, it's one that can block shots, block up a little bit too. Like sneaky, sneaky clamps. Um, what what are your what's your opinion on your front court depth right now? Because Porzingis isn't like a center. Like I don't know what you can do with yeah. him like center wise. He's kind of a four, so it's a uh, gaffer or bust that they know what they're doing. Yeah, I am never been the biggest Thomas Bryant guy, and I'm glad I never was because I'm just so unimpressed with what he's brought to the table since he's come back. I can understand it's, you know, it's tough to come back from season ending injury, but not a big fan of that. So it's, for me, it's, they're going to have to figure out a way to get centers that mesh well with what they're building at this point. It's going to be tough though, assuming Bradley Beal stays because the only reason you're doing things like this is so that you get him to sign a super max. <laughs> I just sorry. I have, I have a real like algebra teacher. Like the kid just won't understand what's going on. Like level sigh every time I think about Bradley Beal signing <laughs> a max contract. But it's the national the national media always finds out of like always gets to the bias eventually with players. I feel like like they always at some point figure out like hey they may not play winning basketball. Like we should talk about them in a little bit different light. I feel like Bradley Beal's just never been that way. There's always gonna be like. Feel sympathy, no matter how necessary it is that he plays well for you guys to make the playoffs. Like it, it's got to happen at some point. Like next year, when he comes back, and it's him and Porzingis and Kuzma and Daniel Gafford and whoever else you guys pick up in the offseason, like it's time to make that work. Like you got to make it work. Like it's on you. See, the thing is, that's what the beginning of this year was. I agreed. And then even when the team was playing well, was on one of his colder starts to the season he's had in a long time. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, it's – is it the right I mean, the right roster around him? And then on the Mavs side, I just want to see what happens with Spencer Dinwiddie with uh, yeah. Luka. I think he might – fall in line a bit more when it comes to playing with Luka Doncic versus Bradley Beal mm. just because there's especially if you're on the match like there's there's no question like yeah. there's you're you're gonna fall in line at that point Bradley Beal you should fall in line but there's no question if it's Mark Cuban's guy because you're <laughs> yeah no like you, if you want to play you can't you can't you can't be shipped off your second team if you've been having your second team in a row uh, for having issues with a star player. So I don't think it's going to happen in, in Dallas for him. Yeah. All you had to say was – all you had to tell Mark Cuban was that he was getting a quiet guy back in that trade, and all he, and that was a yes before you even finished the question. 
Um, a move that was intriguing, and I think a winner of the deadline, even though they didn't really do much, was the Charlotte Hornets. Love the Montrez Harrell acquisition. Um, I don't really think they gave up a lot for it. Um, it wasn't really any. It wasn't anything that broke the bank. After I saw that trade, I was so pissed because I that would have been a great move uh, for the Timberwolves to make. Would have loved that move for the Timberwolves, especially again knowing what the uh, Hornets gave up. I thought that that would signal a PJ Washington shop from the Hornets. Cause I, I just, I think that it's kind of run its course there between the two sides. Like I, I PJ Washington is the type of guy where he's a good player. And I think he just kind of needs new scenery. Um, so I thought maybe PJ Washington would be on the block. I think that's another interesting thing to watch going into the off season. Again, I'm using interesting like 500 times, but there's, is, there's a lot of interesting things going on uh, post deadline. think, uh, I think P.J. Washington will be one to watch in the offseason. Like what the Hornets did, they added a legitimate center, um, a really good pick-and-roll player with LaMelo Ball. Um, they, they're pretty deep. Like, they're a pretty deep team. And they're gonna, they are going to be a really intriguing watch um, going into the playoffs. Boston was another one who I thought won. Getting, I mean, Dennis Schroeder has been good this year, but getting Derek White is a big win. Um, he's the playoff guy. Like you want to talk about a guy that you can rely on in the playoffs to maybe either start or come off the bench and give you a couple buckets, give you some momentum, keep you in the game. And that's Derek White. Um, Boston is desperately in need of that. The Daniel Tice move was weird. I think Brad Stevens just has like this fun crush on him. Um but I love the Derek White move. It seems to be working so far. Um, and uh, Boston's so weird. I, I'm like real time thinking about them. I don't know. They're such a crapshoot. They kind of have to figure it out. They have too much talent not to. But Horford hasn't been horrible this year. Jalen Brown's been super legit. Tatum, super legit. Adding a piece like Derek White is is big. Um, love that for the Celtics. Think they're a winner. Agreed. Um, I like White more than a guy who more than like a Dennis Schroeder for that team. He's it's kind of the same thing. What I mean by like how certain players tend to fall in line with the ball. I don't mean like necessarily with like egos. Just kind of in the way that they play. Where like Dennis Schroeder is a tunnel vision scorer a lot of times, which doesn't. Which, obviously doesn't bode well when you're playing with, you know, um, playing with guys like Jason Tatum or, uh, you know, or you know, Jalen Brown. It kind of reminds me of a move that the, the Clippers needed to make a long time ago at the point guard position. Like they, you need a guy that's in between the wings that you have, like incredibly talented wings who can still go get his own, but will fall in line and knows that he has to get these guys the ball when he has the ball in his hands. So like, it's, 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 an, it's an incredible move. It also takes a lot of pressure off of Marcus smart on offense. Mm-hmm. Big and yeah, that's, that's huge. Cause it, you know, he doesn't have to, he doesn't, ha- he doesn't have as much of a, a load on him. Pause. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I'm back. 
But either way, good good move uh, for the Celtics, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll clip that for a montage at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good move for the Celtics. Great move for the Celtics. Good move for the Celtics. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> That's all I had, Carl. I thought it was a, it was a good one. I honestly thought there'd be a little. I, I thought there'd be a few more fireworks. It ended up working out for a lot of teams. Um, interesting market imbalance with the amount of buyers there seem to be versus the amount of sellers. Seems like in previous years, you at least have a few sellers that are willing to fire sale. Didn't really seem like that was the case this year. Um, just really, it's it's been the play, one, it's been the plan. Like the plan helps that. Um, two, there's only a there's only a couple games separating most teams in the lower seeds. So it's, it's, no, it's very intriguing. Um, yeah. The, I thought the market imbalance is interesting. Thought it'd be a little more active, but it, sometimes there are stalemates when this happens. So. Yeah. Completely agree with you there. Um, playing also lottery rule change. That's one thing I feel like we also don't talk about enough uh, when it comes sure. to how uh, helps some of the parity going throughout the uh, parity in the league going throughout the season where, so like yeah, I could tank or I could just have a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. If I can't if I can't get down to like top three odds, like you might as well. After they change the odds and everything, it's like you don't know. You could have that. I think was it was it the Pelicans jump to get Zion type of thing where they were like more they like projected like ninth or eighth or something and it was yeah. a, that and so those types of jumps have been happening. So you don't know. So you might as well just try to try to win it out while you can. You have the Donovan Mitchells, the Tyrese Halliburtons, the Tyler Heroes. I mean, there's players that go later in the first round, too, that are not, like, they're not your top two picks. I feel like at this point, having the five pick and the eight pick, you can still find a guy that fits your team well. You can find a really good player in the teens. Um, As long as, I mean, I feel like, pick protections as long as you're like not completely unprotecting a pick they're not as important anymore just because you see a lot there's there's you want to talk about more parity in the league I guess if it makes sense more parity in the drafts too players are so skilled now and with the amount of um I sound high I'm not I'm really not high I'm going on a little bit of a tangent uh but with the amount with how much players are scoring now, how much the league has changed over the last seven, eight years. If players are able to score. Players, breaking news, players who get drafted in the first round of the NBA draft are talented. They can put the ball in the basket. Um, so it's it's kind of fun to see that open up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a big change, too, over – well, I'd say more so in the last six or seven years. Sure. Not like the, I mean, the, like the, the players themselves that have been coming out have been, you know, changing – with the times and how the game has evolved uh, in, you know, in the contemporary NBA game. But the real change is I feel like the, the real breakaway from there's a point where there's like the real, like a, like AAU chokehold that the league had, like before it evolved, before that itself evolved into what it is now, like the way travel basketball is, there's a huge gap of just talent coming in the league for whatever. And for whatever reason, even we look inter- internationally for a bit, like the international players that people were taking flyers on for at least like a decade, 
like you'd, you'd hear about some some random guy or like, hey, this is guy is his point guard. He's averaging like six six points a game in I don't know like Uzbekistan, and so like we're gonna try to bring him on. <laughs> It, like and there's all those like trial and error like where like Ricky Rubio is one of the biggest like international hits that had happened for a long time because like people were going out and bricking on a lot of these guys for a while but I'm, I'm not talking about like the you know there are the clear-cut guys that have stayed in the league for a while but there's so many like experimental like overseas players for a while and now like Faku scouting ooh Faku I don't know if it's like if it's scouting or what it is, but it's gotten a lot better with the younger some of the younger guys like you've seen recently. Like you'll see the Lucas hit, the Josh Giddy's hit. Um, yeah, I said, I mean Josh Giddy out of Australia. Um, so you've got those types of guys hitting now in drafts, and I mean it's just a beautiful place where the game is right now. So um, and this draft class is is insane. Um, it's going to get more hype than last year. The last year I think was pretty solid too. Team Paulo. Team Paolo. Team Paolo. That's my I'm still, guy. I'm still rocking with Chet. I don't care. I don't care what, what's going on here. Chet. And then you have uh, Amani Bates the following season because of the the, the rule. Um, he's not going to be old enough for the draft to be eligible this yeah. year. I thought personally that he – I mean, I, I wish he would he, – I mean, he might go G League Ignite. He might be able to do that. But he'll I'm be team- an interesting name. I'm team Chet. I think if you don't have the number one pick, you got to be team Chet. I think yeah. number one pick, I, I, man, Paolo's fun. Paolo's a lot of fun. I think, uh, but also I, I always fall into the trap of like the God's gift to basketball wings. I always do. RJ Barrett. I still think Jaden Ivey. Sweet Prince. I still think Jaden Ivey is the best player in this class. Will it translate to be the best NBA player? I don't know. But Jaden Ivey, I think, is the best player in this class right now. And people, that's one thing. We'll have this conversation in March. Yeah. We sleep until then. Uh, See you next week.